Hello, FCS Nation. It's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from the flagship station of FCS Nation, Fox Sports, 1450 and 92.7 KGRZ and 1340 KYLT in Missoula, Montana. Joining me like he does each week during the football season is the co-host of this program, Mr. Chris Callum. And Chris is coming to you from his broadcast center in Cheney, Washington. Chris, the second round of the playoffs had several really good games, several blowouts, so it kind of had whatever you like, didn't it? It did, and, you know, a lot of the favorites won, you know, so it kind of played out like we thought it would, but there were a few surprises. Let's just get right to the action from last week. Number one seed, Sam Houston, 49, Incarnate Word, 42. This was one hell of a ball game. Incarnate Word did everything but win the football game. Cam Ward ran a quarterback draw, which I think is something that Sam Houston wasn't expecting there on fourth and goal on one of the last plays of the game and just came up an inch short. Incarnate Word is a team that nobody's going to want to play next season. No, I, I think it was a, a good play call, and, and Sam Houston State made a good team. And, and yeah, you got to like Incarnate Word and, and how they came back in this game. They were down at one point 31-14 to 14 in the second quarter, and Eric Schmidt was doing his usual thing. He ran one in for a score, made some key passes. And how this one eventually played out is that Incarnate Word got back into the game. They tied it up. Schmidt runs that one in with two minutes remaining, but the cards marched down the field, took a fourth down goal line stand from the Bearcats, like you mentioned, to preserve the win. Ramon Jefferson rushed for 166, which was part of a 358-yard team rushing performance. That's not the only one of these we saw this weekend, by the way. Cameron Ward racked up 506 yards of total offense, including 480 through the air. He also scored five touchdowns. Huge day. Sam Houston has now won 22 straight games going back to 2019. And their defense has made two huge fourth-quarter stops in the playoffs. One against Incarnate Word this fall. One against Monmouth in the spring. So, Chris, for a team that the offense gets a lot of pub, and rightly so, their defense has made two of the biggest plays in program history. Yeah, and it shows you, you know, how fickle things are. I mean, it, teams that are on the other side of that, you know, they're just a, a player two away from a national championship potentially. And, uh, you know, that's how we crown champions is they make the plays down the stretch, and Sam Houston State has done its share of that. Number two seed, North Dakota State, 38, Southern Illinois, 7. Chris, I was higher on the Salukis than probably anybody else was all season. I just think that football team ran out of gas. I don't know if it's a strength and conditioning deal, but having to play the first week, you could tell that was a fatigued bunch of Salukis against the Bison who looked well rested and ready to make a run to Frisco. Yeah, I agree on Southern Illinois. I, I was big on them as well, especially after they knocked off South Dakota State. But they lost three of four down the stretch, and you're kind of lucky to get in the playoffs. Then they turn around and beat South Dakota. But this game played out pretty much how we thought it would. The Bison avenged that spring loss to the Salukis. They went 9 of 13 on third down conversions, scored on their first four possessions. They rushed it for 387, so another huge rushing performance. Cam Miller was just 9 of 14 for 81 yards and an interception, but they obviously didn't need him to do much in the passing game. But that is something to keep in your hip pocket. I mean, he's had some good throwing games and nothing great. And if they fall behind, it'd be interesting to see how he responds. And DSU also did its typical thing, holding the Salukis to 281 yards of total offense. Number three seed, James Madison, 59, Southeastern Louisiana, 20. Chris, we talked about it last week. Highly touted Southland Conference quarterbacks do not fare well at Bridgeforth Stadium, and that trend continued. James Madison just looked like they were a better team 
in all three phases of the football game. Southeastern Louisiana started off about as well as you could hope. I mean, they were in the ball game in the first quarter, but it steamrolled on them. And I think Cole Johnson has shown he can actually throw the football. I think people around the country didn't realize that until maybe halfway through the season. But he is also a weapon with his legs with that long rushing touchdown. Well, you have the Payton Award finalist, Cole Kelly. He throws for more yards in this game, but the Duke's Cole Johnson has a better day, needing just 12 completions to pass for 321 and five scores. So a bunch of big plays. I agree that people maybe underestimated Johnson's ability to pass, but he's had to. The rushing attack hasn't been as reliable as it was in the past. The JMU defense picked off the other Kelly three times, harassed him all day, totaling four sacks. The Dukes also were able to outgain the Lions 163 to 42 on the ground. So they did run the ball pretty well this game. At one point in the third quarter, this game was 59 to 13, Kevin. So it really was a steamroller. South Dakota State, 24, the number four seed, Sacramento State, 19. Chris, I get the feeling, and if you follow Jackrabbit people, they just gave up on the running game for some reason in the second half. And I guess if you're South Dakota State, that's trying to put your foot on the gas, right? Because the running game's been so consistent and so good all year. Maybe they saw some things at halftime, thought they could exploit the Hornets' defense with the passing game. But it almost bit them. Sack scored 19 unanswered points, and it took a trick play on fourth down to keep possession for the Jackrabbits to run out the clock. I think anybody who watched this football game thought that if Sac State got the ball back, they were going to drive down the field and win the football game. Yeah, it was an interesting game, and that trick play was it was kind of funny to watch. Uh, Fake's going to the sideline. He looks furious. He's waving his hands in the air. He, I think he almost oversold it, and I think a lot of the Sac State players saw it coming, uh, but the one kid on the outside that, that kind of missed the tackle was the one perhaps that didn't, and that sealed the fate of the Hornets. And this did look like a blowout early. Jacks built a 24 to nothing lead halfway through the second quarter. They scored on four of their first five possessions, and then Sac you know, turned it over twice so they didn't help themselves. Dunaway threw two interceptions, and they had that last-second field goal at the end of the, of the second quarter. It was all they had to show as far as scoring. And then you have that role reversal. So, yes, South Dakota State may be abandoned and run, but you're going to take what the opposing team is giving you. And credit to Sac State's defense. You know, they've held opponents to less than 20 points per game, so it's not a surprise that they were able to make some adjustments and keep this close. Jake Dunaway passed for 331. He also rushed it for another 66 in the comeback attempt. Number five seed, Villanova, 21. Holy Cross. All 16. I don't think there's any doubt Villanova's had the easiest path in these playoffs. I think Holy Cross is a good defense for a Patriot League team, but to hold Villanova to 21 points and this be a close game, kind of a head scratcher. Maybe Villanova isn't as good as people think they are. It might be a little bit of both. Holy Cross is a pretty talented ball club, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Villanova's changed you know, their philosophy a bit. They're not a wide-open offense. They uh, are looking to play more ball control, limit possessions type of stuff, rely on the running game more than the passing game. The Wildcats did leave 14-0 a half. The Satyrs climbed back into it with a halfback pass from Jordan Fuller to Sean Morris. Amazing stat. This was the first passing touchdown Nova had allowed since Penn State in September. That's amazing. Number six seed, Montana, 57, Eastern Washington, 41. We've heard Aaron Best talk about wanting to be balanced on offense. I think 80 pass attempts was not something he was looking forward to going in. No, but this game can really be summed up in in one phrase, which is all three phases. 
and Eastern played well enough on offense to win. They actually played okay on defense. They limited the Grizz as far as yardage goes. And the Grizz got a lot of their points off of very short possessions. I think they had three inside the 15 that ended up in touchdowns. And those were due to turnovers and they were due to returns in the kicking game. So the game was 21-20 Eastern at half, but then all hell broke loose in the third quarter. That's when the Grizz put it away. They scored 24 points. They blocked a punt. They had several of those big returns, like I mentioned. Mentioned. The Grizz ran only 57 plays to Eastern's 109. And yes, 81 of those were pass plays, but you can't really criticize them too much because that ended up with 608 yards of total offense to the Grizz's 338. But the return yardage advantage was Grizz 237 to Eastern 31. And so that explains why this wasn't a close game and how the Grizzlies won. The number seven seed, East Tennessee State 32, Kennesaw State 31. I was lucky enough to be there. I think in Johnson City, Tennessee, 10 years from now, there's going to be 50,000 people who are going to claim to have been there. And all I got to say about what happened at the end, Mr. Callum, is that I'm guessing head coach Randy Sanders had a wheelbarrow to carry his fellows out of Green Stadium. (laughs) <laughs> yes, indeed. The Bucks trailed by two touchdowns with less than two minutes remaining. Tyler Riddell hit Will Husey to close the lead to seven. The Bucks then had the onside kick, skipped through an owl's up man's legs, and he got the recovery. A few plays later, Riddell hit Quay Holmes for a touchdown, and with 35 seconds remaining, Riddell struck again, this time to tight end Nate Atkins for the game-winning two-point conversion. Holmes had 87 yards rushing, but he was really impressive as a receiver. He caught seven balls for 95 yards and two scores. This was the type of game that Kennesaw could have easily won, outgaining the Bucks, passing for 170 yards and controlling time of possession, but they just couldn't get it done in the end. Number eight seed, Montana State, 26, UT Martin, seven. Chris, we both picked UT Martin to upset Montana State. And with the way that their former quarterback left the football team, I think that this was a great example that sometimes you get addition by subtraction. Yeah, I think so. And I think Tommy Malott is a kid that they can rally around a little bit. He's not going to do a lot of damage to the air. He's young and inexperienced, but he rushed for 180 yards in this game. And that was in addition to a total of 387 yards on the ground for the Cats. The Skyhawks were held to just 178 yards of total offense, so the Cats' defense really came to play. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Now, very pleased to be joined once again by one of my favorite guests on this program, Mr. Casey Keeler, head coach for the Sam Houston Bearcats. Thanks for making the time, Coach. Absolutely. How are you doing? Very well, sir. Probably not as good as you. I imagine that you maybe needed uh, uh, some heart medicine after that game against Incarnate Word. Boy, that's a good football team. They, they really are. That's a power five uh quarterback and I think coach Morris does a phenomenal job I thought he was really on with play call and really kept us off uh, off balance uh and you know we've been in five playoff games this calendar year and all five playoff games have gone to the last play of the game so it's not surprising uh that we got a great game because again this time of year they're all really good teams that you're playing and on your offense coach Eric Schmidt and Ramon Jefferson and Ezard are going to get a lot of the pub. Noah Smith has really stepped up for you the last four or five weeks of the season, hasn't he? Well, Noah Smith is the Swiss Army knife. He's the guy that, you know, we feel really comfortable being able to do a lot of different things with him. He's a former slot receiver. 
that we move to running back uh, and can do it all. And, and, you know, from wildcat to running back to wide receiver, I mean, he does give you a lot of options. So uh, in what we do offensively, uh, it's nice to have a, a, a multifaceted athlete like that that can do a lot of different things. And Eric has been great. Watching him develop the last several years has been tremendous. How has he honed his game the most, Coach? Well, I think we've done a good job of making him a better pocket passer. And not that he's a pocket passer. Um, He's unbelievable on the run. He's unbelievable improvising. But just honing those skills as just an extra, you know, part of his his weaponry has has really become important to him. And so, uh, yeah, I think uh, he's developed as a pocket passer. But at the same time, you know, a lot of our game plan is getting him on the edge, uh, using his feet when we need him. And, uh, again, he's pretty much a guy who can do it all. You mentioned that defense. Chris Callum and I talked about it earlier that your offense gets a lot of publicity, and rightfully so. But your defense against Monmouth in the spring and then against Incarnate Word last week has made two of the biggest plays in the history of that program. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, we had an opportunity to, to uh, take a knee on the one-inch line and chew the clock down. But um, I decided I was going to play defense. And this is primarily why. It's two, two reasons. The first thing is if you've never practiced taking a knee at the one-inch line, um, you don't want to try improvising in a playoff game. And the ball was in a situation where we didn't know if they were going to let us score or not. We weren't 20 yards out. We were two yards out. And so their players engaged with us, and they, you know, then they you know, let us in. Um, and the other thing was that I was willing to put it on our defense. And uh, a couple penalties really hurt us on those drives. Uh, but uh, when it came down to it, we made that fourth down stop, and that's uh, that all that matters. Well, you've got Montana State at your place this weekend in the playoffs. That's a good football team, Coach. I think anybody who's ever seen Troy Anderson play, you just come away from the film, wow, don't you? Yeah, you know, I- I'm telling you, this is a very well-coached team. Uh, I love them on defense. It's like you, like watching a, a choreographed dance where if they're supposed to be in the B-gap, boy, they're in the B-gap. And if they're taking uh, the block on the right shoulder, they're taking all the right shoulder. Uh, they just really uh, are so sound defensively. And offensively, you know, they just, they're, they're big and physical and, and, and playing, you know, a quarterback that's a, is a tough guy who, who plays with an edge, I really think it's now part of their identity. Well, Coach, that quarterback you mentioned, Tommy Malott, he's from Butte, and that's one of the things that they do in Butte, Montana, is they're tough with an edge, I might tell you, sir. (laughs) Does not surprise me. Well, when you look at them, you know, they're probably not going to be able to stretch the field on you. They'll do some things, but in Fonze, over and over again, do you fear that they might wear you out? Well, you know, what what I think is they're going to try to do is they're going to try to pound the ball on us, uh, try to get the ball in the perimeter, and then try to get to an eye violation. You know, get a tight end down the seam, uh, hit us with a reverse, you know, those kind of things. So that's what we're telling our secondary is that, you know, don't be surprised if you get a double move. You know, they're going to try lulling you asleep, but, asleep, but don't be surprised that uh, you get a reverse and then there's someone sneaking out of the, the backfield or there's wheel routes. So I think they'll have enough home run material up. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the basis of the game is going to be – you know, what they do best, you know, run the ball right at you. It sounds like you're almost preparing for a triple option team, Coach. Oh, very much, and that's how we compare them. You know, we, we compare them to a triple option team in that we don't normally see this during the course of the season. So this is a totally different offense than we normally see. And so defensively, we've had to make some tweaks where you almost feel you're playing a triple option team. A lot going on at Sam Houston this weekend, graduation. Uh, I saw that 
Every graduate's going to get a free ticket to the playoff game. That should be a huge deal. That's a tough place to play when it's full. Absolutely. And a very similar thing happened uh, back earlier I mean, the 2010, 11, I forget what, what year it was, when they had Montana uh, on a Saturday night right after graduation. And everyone poured out a graduation to the game, and it was historic. And I remember that's when the Sam Houston chant first started. And, again, we're hoping the same thing happens uh, this Saturday night. The defense is going to be pushed a little bit, like we said, by that kind of weird style of offense they're going to run. And those two safeties they have are pretty darn good too, Coach. Well, you know, they do such a great, great job filling. Um, they're all great, all really good tacklers. Uh, again, and they just don't make mistakes. And so, you know, we're going to have to, you know, execute at a very high level on both sides of the, of the ball. And, and that's just, you know, the, the time of year it is. You're playing really good football teams. You have to execute at a high level. The other thing is you'll see them play with their hair on fire on special teams. And I always think that's a, a testament to, you know, a culture. And they obviously have a great culture going because they play really, really hard on teams. FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Casey Keeler, head coach of the Sam Houston Bearcats. Coach, I've always appreciated you making the time over all these years that we've gotten together two or three times during the football season. means a lot to me, and I really appreciated it. You got it, brother. Anytime. All right. The interview with the coach segment is brought to you by the Harrell Group. The Harrell Group is a comprehensive security solutions company headquartered in Northeast Tennessee that was established to provide dynamic security solutions to the modern security risks people and facilities face. The security of you and your company's assets are Harrell Group's number one priority. You can look them up on the web at harrellgroup.com. That's H-A-R-R-E-L-L-G-R-P.com. The preview segment's coming up next. Right after that, I'll sit down with Mr. Zach Willis from the Bison Report. He'll give us a lowdown on NDSU. And we'll wrap up the show with the pick segment. I know you'll want to hang out for that. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. This is Flash from Bikers Against Bullies USA. We are a not-for-profit group created by bikers, but not limited to bikers. We are committed to creating awareness and educating both kids and adults on the benefits of living in a society of respect for each other combined with self-empowerment. Bikers Against Bullies USA was started in Missoula, Montana. The very real fact is that kids are kids, and they're dying by their own hands each week due to the insidious nature of the psychological and emotional trauma created by today's bullying attempts. Our personal philosophy is that one dead child is one too many. I personally ask you to stand up, support us, and by doing so, you're making a difference. We cannot change things without you, your support, and I thank you in advance. You can get a hold of us at BikersAgainstBulliesUSA.com or Facebook. Bikers Against Bullies USA. Wearing braces on your teeth can be challenging. Flossing and brushing is frustrating at best. The patented Platypus Flosser and Toothbrush for people that wear braces is the easiest and most effective oral hygiene device on the planet. Unlike traditional methods that are, well, just awful, your kids will actually use the Platypus products because they are fast and easy to use. If your child wears braces, protect your investment in their teeth with the Platypus Flosser and Toothbrush, available at your nearest Albertsons and Safeway store in the oral care aisle. Platypusco.com. 
Stevensville.com. Stevensville Hardware, located at 323 Main Street in historic downtown Stevensville, has everything you will ever need for home improvement projects, farm or garden. From the smallest jobs to the largest ranch, Stevensville Hardware can take care of all of your necessities. Be sure to check out the Yellow House next door. It's a local landmark for all of your houseware and plant needs. Stevensville Hardware, open seven days a week, 365 days a year to serve you. 323 Main Street in Stevensville, stevensvillehardware.com. Brokers Realty. The Brokers Realty in Johnson City provide residential and commercial sales and leasing. The Brokers Realty focus on providing each client the individualized attention and customer service that you'd expect from the leading Tennessee real estate firm. For all of your real estate needs, look no further than the Brokers Realty. 3583 West Market Street in Johnson City. TheBrokersRealty.com. FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Networks. Now time for the preview segment. Chris Callum and I will whisk around the country and we'll preview the playoff games taking place this week. Up first, the number eight seed Montana State Bobcats are at the number one seed Sam Houston. Chris, we touched on it briefly in segment one. Montana State needs to throw the ball, I think, to be in this ball game against Sam Houston. The strength of that defense all season has been the rushing defense, and their pass defense got exposed just a little bit last week against Incarnate Word. But when you look around about who's left in the playoffs and who they could possibly match up with if they can get by the Bobcats, nobody's going to throw the ball like Cam Ward and Incarnate Word did last week against them. So I don't know whether that's as big of an advantage for another team as we might think it is. But Montana State at least needs to develop something this week that makes Sam Houston fear them throwing the ball down the field or else they'll just stack the box and it'll be a long day for the Bobcats. Well, the one thing that Montana State has going for it is a really good defense. So even if that happens, I think they can keep the game low scoring enough to stay in it. You know, and what I like about Sam Houston is that they've been challenged both in low scoring battles like the game against Stephen F. Austin, but they've also... You know, been victorious in shootouts like last week against the Word. Bearcats D has continued to impress going back to last spring. They're 16th in FCS rushing yards allowed, 6th in passing yards allowed. Again, you always have to keep the strength of schedule in mind there. The offense is putting up almost 500 yards per game. Most of the damage is on the ground with Ramon Jefferson, but we know Eric Schmidt can light it up through the air with numerous targets to choose from. And then you've got the question mark with Tommy Malott from Montana State. Again, he wasn't real effective throwing it last week. He did run it. He's kind of a wild card. I think he'll need another big day to compliment Isaiah Fonte on the ground. I think he does need to make a few plays through the air. I think if Troy Anderson and Riley Callahan can use their sideline to sideline speed and limit the big gains, and I think this remains low scoring, that gives the Cats a shot here. And look, the Montana State secondary is pretty good. When you look at how they played against Eastern Washington, they really limited the Eagles' high-powered offense down the field. They played back, kept everything in front of them, came up and tackled well, which is something they're going to have to do this week against Sam Houston. They've got to get the ball carrier or the receivers on the ground. One of the things that Sam Houston does really well in their passing game is those yak yards. If Montana State can limit that, they'll be in this ball game all the way to the end. If they don't tackle well it could get out of hand early up next the number seven seed east Tennessee state buccaneers travel to fargo to take on the number two seed north dakota state bison mr callum everybody knows i'm a socon homer and it's hard not to be infected by what i saw last week which was pure socon heaven y'all a packed stadium 
great crowd, great tailgate atmosphere there in Johnson City, and a whale of a football game. But the realist in me says, look, this is the NDSU Bison that East Tennessee State is going to have to travel to face. But I don't think the Bucks are going to be intimidated. It's going to be loud in the Fargo Dome. We all know that. But we've heard some things, and we're going to talk about it later on in the show with one of our guests, that I've read Bison fans are bored, disinterested. And I'm just thinking, what in the world is wrong with those people right now? You win national championships and it's boring? But back to this particular football game here. These teams are similar on offense. They want to run the football, push you around. ETSU has Quay Holmes and Jacob Sailors and an offensive line that has the ability to do that. Their big plays come off play action in the passing game. So, very similar on offense. Now, NDSU probably has the better defense, but I think a matchup to watch, and I think a lot of people have circled it, is the offensive line for NDSU versus an undersized defensive line for East Tennessee State. We'll see what happens. Their game probably won or lost right there. Yeah, you know, and I, th- I think defensive line play sometimes is like the old adage about rebounding in basketball. It's not about height. It's about attitude. You know, so we and we see that we'll see undersized defensive lines dominate a game against big, huge physical offensive lines. So it's not out of the question that happens here. But this is a tall order for the Bucks. They have a solid defense, but again, a weaker schedule. Then the Bison played their only middle of the road when it comes to stopping the run. So that's a, a huge issue. But they do have that terrific rushing attack with Holmes and Sailors. And Riddell's a gamer. I mean, I, he was so impressive down the stretch in that game. He's not big. I mean, he, he's like, you know, five foot 10, 175 pounds. But he moves around the pocket well. He can slip through cracks. He can run at it when he needs to. And he made some big throws to finish that game against Kennesaw State. The Bison are better in all phases with the exception of the passing game, perhaps. They're averaging 46 points per game over their last three while shutting down a very good Southern Illinois offense last week. Both teams are near the bottom in FCS return yards given up. So don't be surprised if there is a big return in this game. That might happen. ETSU will need to win turnovers, I think, and use a rushing offense to keep the Bison off the field and the crowd out of it. The tougher schedule thing, SoCon Homer here, but, I mean, are they really? Did they really play a much tougher schedule? I mean, an OVC team beat Missouri State. So how good was Missouri State? And this same OVC team went on the road and got handled by Montana State. Look at what they did to Southern Illinois. I mean, look, uh, the days of the MVFC thumping their chest saying, we should have nine teams in the playoffs. I believe those days are long gone and that 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 league is not nearly as good as it used to be. And y'all can come beat me up on Twitter and other places for saying so, but I believe it's the truth. So I think they're much closer in strength to schedule than this would have been four or five years ago. But this particular ball game, you said it, turnovers. Cam Miller has made some mistakes. And if he makes a few here, ETSU has a real shot. The preview segment will roll on right after these messages from our sponsors. All Electric Lawn Care. Are you looking to go green this spring? Then All Electric Lawn Care is for you. No gas mowing, power raking, and power washing, edging, bush, and shrub trimming, chainsaw work, and much, much more. Just call Rob at 630-404-0409 and get your lawn care done with All Electric Equipment. Call Rob at 630-404-0409 for All Electric Lawn Care. Serving the Missoula and Bitter 
Root Valleys of Montana. Missoula Nissan Hyundai. Are you looking to purchase or lease a new car or perhaps buy a used car? Your destination for an unbeatable selection of new Nissan and Hyundai vehicles and the best selection of used cars is sure to be Missoula Nissan Hyundai in Missoula. Browse our inventory online at MissoulaNissanHyundai.com or drop by the showroom and see them at 2715 Brook Street in Missoula. MissoulaNissanHyundai.com Tennessee Hills Distillery. Located in Tennessee's oldest town and recently voted East Tennessee's best distillery and craft cocktail bar. Offering tours and tastings, customers can see, smell, and taste every step of the spirits making process. Recently announced a second location, Tennessee Hills Brew Distillery. It's the first company to distill spirits and brew beer under one roof. Stop by and try a large selection of award-winning craft beers and cocktails while while catching the game of the day. Tennessee Hills, a true taste of Tennessee. Two locations in Jonesboro and Johnson City, Tennessee. TNHillsDistillery.com Number six, Montana is at the number three seed, James Madison Dukes. Chris, this is going to be a tough, tough trip for the Montana Grizzlies. This will be the first time all season, maybe, that they don't have a distinct advantage in the specialty teams. We'll see if they can line up and run the football and be physical against the team that also wants to be physical. I think the passing game favors James Madison just a little bit. Cole Johnson can get it done down the field. I'm looking forward to this one on Friday night. Yeah, you know, the Dukes are a little bit better, it seems like, in every phase. Not a lot, but a little bit. Both teams, like you were suggesting, are just awesome on special teams. No one has made more field goals or scored more points kicking the history of college football than Ethan Racky. And then the Grizz have Kevin Macias. He's no slouch. He's gone 21 and 25 with the long of 50. He's perfect on extra points in the kicking game. Punter Brian Buschini is a weapon. Finalist for FCS Punter of the Year, 46.6 average. He can flip fields. So we're going to focus on special teams, but both teams are good on defense. And I think much of this game boils down to Cole Johnson versus the Grizz Blitz. Johnson has an outstanding season. He's had an outstanding season throwing 37 touchdowns to two picks, so don't expect a lot of turnovers or mistakes from him. Two of the lowest point totals JMU has had this year came against New Hampshire and Richmond, who are both top 20 in team sacks. So if the Grizz blitz, and we know they're going to, and they can, if not sack, but hurry and rush Cole Johnson, then I think they have a chance. But I also think Cam Humphrey needs to have a really good day. And Johnson's not going to make a lot of mistakes, Chris. I think he learned something in that Colgate playoff game a few years ago where he tried to force things. Been very impressed when he's under duress and he can't get away. He'll chuck it in the first row of the stands and live to fight another down. An experienced quarterback who's probably not going to throw you the pick six and or make a bad throw by trying to force it. And that's the way Montana's lived all season, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, and, and you're taking him away from the fr- friendly confines, you know, so maybe a little bit less of that, you know, I want to call it luck because it's a part of the game, but you, you can't rely solely on special teams. You still have to make some plays in the other phases. South Dakota State is at the number five seed Villanova Wildcats. I'm scratching my head going, what happened to that high-powered Villanova offense we got accustomed to? You mentioned it in the recap segment. They're looking to play more of a defensive-type ball game now. Gave up a lot of yards to Holy Cross last week. Kind of bent but didn't break. 
And that stat that you mentioned, that they hadn't given up a passing touchdown since September against Penn State, is kind of telling. Now, have they faced a lot of high-powered offenses? Not really in the CAA, right? So you look at it, and South Dakota State's going to come in. They're going to want to establish that running game with Pierre Strong Jr. and Isaiah Davis and then go over the top. This will be very, very interesting. Can Dan Smith make enough plays to keep him in the ballgame? Because I believe you're going to see South Dakota State throw out everything. They are getting a little weary, I think. Notice that big comeback by Sac State in the second half. Maybe that defense is starting to feel it just a bit. If I'm the Jackrabbits, I want to come out in this one, run the football, control the clock, and take Villanova out of this one early. Well, you make a lot of good points. The Wildcats offense has only put up 23 and 21 points their last two games. They have not gained over 360 yards since their 35 to nothing win over Stony Brook, but that was like five or six weeks ago. In that game, Daniel Smith passed for 283 and three scores, whereas last week against Holy Cross, he only threw for 133. So he's capable of bringing the, the passing game back and bringing it to bear. But for some reason, he's also had some struggles. He's also still an excellent running quarterback, by the way. Enter the Villanova defense, though, and they've been lights out down that same stretch. They're giving up just 262 yards and 15 points per game on the season. Back to the Jackrabbits, perhaps their favorite upset pick this past week, and for good reason. They've got loads of talent on both sides of the ball. You kind of scratch your head why they've lost three games, but two of those were right at the last second. The offense, especially the running game, are top 20 in nearly every category. In some respects, these two offenses are mirror images with the three-headed beast of Daniel Smith, Justin Covington, and Jalen Jackson leading away for Nova. And then you got a lot of can Pierre Strong and Isaiah Davis doing the damage for the Jacks. So, yeah, I think this is a strength on strength game between two very similar teams. I think it will be a, a game that scored in the in the high teens, low 20s and tight. And think about it this way, Mr. Callum, if you're South Dakota State, you've got that group up front to call them the 605 Hogs excellent group of offensive linemen, maybe only rivaled by NDSU's group. Why do you stop running the football? Did all of a sudden they want to be sexy? I mean, that game against Sac State leaves me scratching my head. The decision that they made against South Dakota leaves you scratching your head. Well, I'll tell you this, Villanova's head coach don't make a lot of decisions that make you scratch your head. I wonder What's going on with the Jackrabbits? They've gotten this far, and you hope that they'd be smart enough to lean on what got them here. Yeah, and I think they're one of the top, probably two most talented teams as far as physicality, size, speed, all that kind of stuff goes. Um, So it's a matter of them getting in their own way and probably play calling a little bit. But I wouldn't count them out of this one, even being on the road. I think they're the most likely upset or, or away team to win this week. Preview segments brought to you by Big Deck Barbecue Company. With Christmas coming, we all have somebody who's hard to shop for. Big Deck Barbecue Company's got you covered. They're doing their Christmas boxes once again this year. Your choice of any four Big Deck Barbecue products, gift packaging, and a personalized note, all for 50 bucks. You can't beat that. Get to BigDeckBBQ.com. That's BigDeckBBQ.com. Fudge Fitness. Is your athlete dealing with turtle shell syndrome, lack of flexibility, balance, strength, and footwork? Well, your speed specialist is here. Mr. Derek Fudge, former East Tennessee State All-Southern Conference linebacker and owner of Fudge Fitness, is here to serve athletes in East Tennessee, Southwestern Virginia, and Western North Carolina. Ages 7 and up, all sports are welcomed. Fudge Fitness has group sessions, travel teams, and private lessons available. For more information, call or text Fudge Fitness at 423-741-1115 or visit the website fudgefitness.com. 
Tory Pines Pub in Las Vegas, Nevada. Whether you're looking for a cold drink on a hot day or a place to try out that hot hand when you're feeling lucky, Tory Pines Pub has what you're looking for. Tory Pines Pub caters to sports fans and hosts Montana Grizzlies games every football season. Not only are you going to find the Grizz on TV, but if you ask them, they'll put on whatever FCS game you want. So when you're in Las Vegas, make your way to the corner of Tory Pines and Lake Mead Boulevard to the Tory Pines Pub and tell them FCS Nation sent you. ToryPinesPub.com I'm DJ Coulter from Fargo, North Dakota. Welcome to American Family Insurance. I understand that choosing the proper insurance protection can be overwhelming. That's why it's so important to find someone you can rely on for trusted advice. As your American Family Insurance agent, I'll work hard to earn your trust, and I look forward to helping you find the right insurance solutions for years to come. Area code 701-235-6641. Or better than that, drop by and see DJ at American Family Insurance at 4215 31st Avenue South, Suite B in Fargo, North Dakota. DJColter.com. Blaine McElmurray specializes in bringing your dream home to reality. Blaine and his team have been building beautiful, custom, single-family and multi-family homes since his return from the NFL in 2003. And Blaine hires only the best subcontractors to work on your home. Blaine has competed in the Parade of Homes only two times, but in those two times, he's won six of the eight awards. Give him a call. If you can dream it, he can build it. To see some of his work or for contact information, go to McElmurrayHomes.net. That's M-C-E-L-M-U-R-R-Y Homes.net. Let McElmurray Homes exceed your expectations. If you're ever in Traverse City, Michigan, stop into Brick Wheels, one of the best bicycle stores in America. You can enjoy that beautiful part of these United States on a bicycle. Road bikes, mountain bikes, fat bikes, even electric assist. And if you go into Brick Wheels and you say, go Grizz, go Bison, go Cadets, or whatever your FCS team name is, you'll get 20% off your purchase. So if you're in Traverse City, Michigan, go into Brick Wheels, talk some FCS football, get 20% off. That's Brick Wheels, Brick wheels.com the holidays are here and there's plenty for all of us to do shopping gathering together eating great food spending quality time with friends and family and donating time to give back renewal by anderson would like to take a moment to thank the citizens of the state of montana for their warm reception in 2021 it's been a great year and renewal by anderson has had the opportunity to work with many great customers throughout the state installing their new windows and doors we humbly thank all of our customers and employees for their business and support and look forward to serving new and returning customers in 2022 from everyone at renewal by anderson have a merry christmas and a happy new year curious about all that Renewal by Anderson has to offer, visit us on the web at rbamontana.com. That's rbamontana.com. Once again, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from Renewal by Anderson. The Johnson City Brewing Company was there on Friday night. Place was hopping. Beer was cold. It was good. A great atmosphere. Really enjoyed myself. The Johnson City Brewing Company, 257 East Main Street in Johnson City, Tennessee. Phone number 423-930-4186. Offering curbside pickup and a tap room. Johnson City Brewing Company, 257 East Main Street, Johnson City, Tennessee. JohnsonCityBrewing.com. Welcome back to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. 
We're now joined by Mr. Zach Willis, a former member of the Rams. That's what the offensive line group is called at North Dakota State. And he now toils away for Bison Report. Thanks for being here, Zach. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's always good to get out and chat with you. So I appreciate your time. So I've seen some things around Fargo Media and some very prominent former Bison who talk about a little bit of complacency in the Bison fan base. Are they really bored? Because I'll tell you, my friend, if the team that I followed has had the success that NDSU has had, every time they opened that building door, you couldn't keep me out of it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that is definitely a part of it. Unfortunately, a lot of that comes with that success as far as being you get a lot of people who are bandwagon fans that weren't with that weren't there when, you know, times were tough through three and eight seasons and stuff like that. But they kind of forget how to appreciate an undefeated college football season and a national championship. So as much as I want to deny it being a former player, I think people are kind of bored with going to the Dome on Saturdays. Well, now that we've got that out of the way, let's talk about this year's version of the NDSU Bison. And I'll tell you something. I really admire Cam Miller. As easy as it is now for young men to maybe not get their way, to just get in the transfer portal and go try somewhere else, all Cam Miller has done is beat out two Power 5 guys who were brought in to replace him. How awesome is that? I mean, it's great to see, and uh, especially because I know Cam as a person, too, and he's just an unbelievable young man. So uh, his continued success, and people kind of saw it as a fact of, you know, he didn't play that well in the spring. How great will he be in the fall? People forget he was a true freshman in the spring. So all these reps, all this experience is coming with getting to play. He just keeps getting better and better each week. And you talk about the reps. How big of a deal is it for a team that goes to the playoffs and makes a run in it to have all these extra practices? It's got to be a big deal for the younger guys. Yeah, especially being a younger guy, you know, because a lot of the, if you're a freshman or a redshirt freshman, a lot of the time you're sitting on a scout team. So when you get to go in there, especially now with the four game rule, all these guys get to go in, see some live bullets. There's There's nothing you can do in practice that emulates the speed of a college football game. This is a pretty darn good ETSU football team, and everybody knows I'm a SoCon homer. But I saw them last week in person pretty much beat and get up off the deck and win a football game that they probably had no business winning. This is a team that's going to come in with a lot of confidence. And when you look at them offensively, they're kind of similar. Power run game, big play over the top with the play action. This is going to be a good football game, I think. I I agree with you. And, you know, I actually have a little bit of personal stake. I played with their starting center, Joe Schreiber. Uh, He was a, a class underneath me and became one of my good friends before he transferred out. And he's having a heck of a season, so... Uh, kind of been paying attention to them, and they've just been stacking win after win after win. So I'm excited for Saturday. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people here in Fargo are going to be missing the opportunity to watch a good game in person. Quay Holmes can definitely run the football, but he's also real impressive catching it out of the backfield. If there's a Bison running back recently, who would you compare him to? Ooh, shoot. Being able to catch the ball like that. Um, Most of these guys I've played with, so I don't want to give them any credit uh, in public, but... uh, I'd say probably Ty Brooks, to be honest with you, just a little shiftier. Um, But the way he can catch the ball out of the backfield and make stuff happen afterwards, it's really impressive. And Chris Callum made a pretty valid point earlier that a lot of people have pointed to the weight differential between the Bison offensive line and the ETSU defensive line. Well, you're a former offensive lineman, and Chris said that he thought defensive line play is a little bit like rebounding in basketball, that it doesn't have a whole heck of a lot to do with size. It has to do with attitude. Is that something you agree with? I think that's absolutely something I'd agree with, but 
you know, eventually sometimes everybody's X's and O's just start to outweigh other teams, uh, Jimmy's and Joe's. So um, when you stack up Cordell Wilson, who's 320 pounds, Nash Jensen, who's 330, uh, everybody else who's over 300 pounds, but you add the nastiness and the tenacity that we play with here at NDSU, I think it's a, a good combination that's been working. And then when all else is square, if you're 70 pounds lighter than the dude lined up across from me, it can turn into a long day. How's the health of the Bison team? I know the flu went kind of through them last week. Is everybody over that? Yeah, I think uh, as far as the sickness is going, everybody's cleared up with that. Um, you know, I've been actually really proud of the guys, how they've handled the COVID response, uh, because we obviously went through it in the spring, losing a bunch of guys every week. So I think that's been a real impressive mark for them throughout the season. And then uh, just as far as getting everybody back, I think Dom Ganella was nursing an ankle for a little bit. It seems like he's trending towards playing here soon. If not this week, Christian Watson had a tweaked hamstring last week, so it kind of seems like he's coming back, hopefully. You know, I, I think it'd be smart to have Christian in the game plan just so Eastern Tennessee has to account for him. But I don't know how much of an effect he's going to play. Having to worry about number one, that may, that can turn your Saturdays into a long day. And on the defensive side of the ball, NDSU has made a lot of hay there over the years. They stop the run, and they make you one-dimensional or they make you do things you don't want to do who's the guy who's kind of the architect of that defense oh shoot honestly that's how defense has been played there for a long time so they kind of bring in coaches that that bring in that same thing but i have to give a lot of co- a lot of credit to coach Shantz himself the, the cool part is like i said we had that foundation but coach Shantz was incredible at innovating off of it so you know if we were playing a triple option team we weren't going to stay in our four or three boxes uh, try to fill lanes because it's hard to play defense like that against a, a triple option offense. If they're spread and they air everything out, we're going to run a lot of diamond nickel packages, get the lighter bodies on the field and rush the passer. Um, so I think the mad scientist has to go a lot of credit to Coach Eds for what we're doing currently, but some of the stuff that David Brown has drawn up is absolutely incredible and gives me nightmares as an offensive lineman of thinking about how to game plan that. FCS Nation, we're joined by Zach Willis from Bison Report. Zach, we got about a minute left. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about special teams in such a big game. Both of these squads, well, you know, the Bison special teams, they've given up some return yards. Do you figure this will be a factor in this football game? Uh, I think anytime you get into these uh, December and January games, uh, the, the, when all else is square, if the third phase, if you lose, you're going to lose the football game. So playing a highly contested, good football team, the special teams can make all the difference in the world. You have to be effective and get those hidden yards. You know, that's trying to coach speak and everything, but it's definitely true as far as, you know, keeping a ball out of the end zone on a punt instead of a touchback and putting him inside the five. Well, that's 20 yards that they don't have to, to get if they get a touchback. So it's, it's kind of drilled into us to emphasize and we take a lot of pride in the special teams. So hopefully it turns out good here, kind of shore up that return yard piece. That's been Mr. Zach Willis from Bison Report. Thanks for making the time, friend. Other thing that you do is the Big Deck Barbecue Company. And brother, I got to tell you, you've helped me get fat. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, man. Uh, you know, it, we always take a lot of pride in getting everything approved by, by Southerners down there because they know what barbecue is. So if you tell me it's good, I'll take your word for it. Looks like uh, Zach may be looking for a job here, complimenting my SoCon football team and the South in general. You might be hired, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I love it. Anywhere anybody needs me, I'm ready to do the job. The pick segment's coming up next right here on FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Oh, yeah. 
Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to SCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Networks. Now time for the pick segment. This is where Chris and I go head-to-head and pick the games taking place this week in the FCS playoffs. Up first, number eight, Montana State, is at the number one seed, Sam Houston Bearcats. Well, Kevin, it gets harder and harder to pick upsets. You you feel like you have some obligation to, and so I'm going to do one right now. I'm going to pick the Bobcats to avenge a playoff loss from uh, about 10 years ago in the quarterfinals, I believe, to Sam Houston State. And I think they're going to do it with defense. I think Tommy Malott's going to make some plays with his legs. I think they're going to run the ball really well. And those two safeties for Montana State are really good. They have great closing speed, and they can limit the Bearcats as far as the yak goes so give me the montana state bobcats to win 1917 not me sir montana state's been a great story with the old quarterback leaving everybody rallying around last week was a great team victory for those bobcats and the rushing offense was extremely impressive extremely impressive with that being said this is not a good matchup for the cats from bozeman the strength of sam houston's defense is against the run and the pass defense was exposed against incarnate word but like i mentioned earlier not many people can throw the ball like Cam Ward and the word can. The Bobcats don't have that at all. And unfortunately for the Cats, I think this will be a replay of what's happened to them in the playoffs in the recent past. One-dimensional teams have a hard time advancing past this round, and that's what I believe the Bobcats are right now. Now, they may shock everyone and come out guns blazing throwing the ball, but I don't think so. Take Sam Houston at home, 38-31. Number seven, East Tennessee State is at number two, North Dakota State. Well, no reason to not pick the Bison here. I mean, they're at home. We pick them for a reason almost every single week and and rarely see an upset. And it's not that East Tennessee State can't upset the Bison. And if they do it, they'll do it because they run the ball effectively. They take the crowd out of it. And Tyler Riddell makes a few plays through the air. I just don't see it happening, though. So give me North Dakota State to win 34-10. to Contrary to the beliefs of many, I think the Buccaneers have a real shot here. These teams are very similar on offense. Power run game and big plays in the passing game off of play action. The Bucs defense is a bend but don't break type of group. And much has been made in the Fargo media about the size difference the NDSU offensive line has over the Bucs defensive line. I mean, that's true, but it's something ETSU has faced all season. The Bison are no bigger up front than Sanford or VMI are. Those are the facts. They are better as a group, though. ETSU must control the ball and control the clock. They can with running backs Quay Holmes and Jacob Sailors. Bison QB Cam Miller must protect the football. If he protects the football, the Bison will win. I believe he will. Take NDSU at home in a closer ball game than most think. Bison 31, Buccaneers 24. Number six, Montana is at the number three seed, James Madison Dukes. Give me the Dukes, just simply because they're a little bit better in all three phases. And I think that Cole Johnson has matured into a heck of a passing quarterback. He kind of flies underneath the radar with guys like Ward and and Cole Kelly and Eric Berry out there. But he's easily one of the top five quarterbacks in the country. I think he'll prove that this week. I think it'll be maybe a sloppy game with some turnovers and some special teams plays made. Give me James Madison to win 27-17. Very interesting game here. Two excellent defenses, and the special teams are also pluses for both teams. Key here will be the running game. Both defenses are very stout against that. Whoever can gain the advantage in that business will win the football game. Cole Johnson has better weapons in the passing game. Antoine Wells Jr. is tough to cover. And the Grizz defense must get home and make Johnson uncomfortable in the pocket. They don't have to sack him ten times, but they got to get him off his spot. Johnson will pull it down and run it, and he's been very effective doing so. 
The Grizz must score touchdowns. Must score touchdowns as JMU has had some problems in the red zone on offense this season. If Montana can put six up and JMU is relying on Ethan Radke, as good as he is, and he's the best that's ever done it, the Grizz will win if they can put the ball in the end zone instead of settling for field goals. I believe they will. Take the Grizz to upset James Madison in Harrisonburg, 27-24. The pick segment will continue right after this message from the NCAA. In the Division I football championship subdivision, the name of the game is outsmart, outhustle, outscore. But in the FCS, it's not always about the outcome. It's also about how you play the game. It's played with passion and pride and sportsmanship. It's played with honor and integrity. And it's played in towns across America where football is a way of life. The Division I football championship subdivision. It's more than a game. South Dakota State is at number five, Villanova. Two very similar teams here. They love running the ball. They can pass the ball when needed. They play excellent defense. I think the difference in this game is a little bit of experience, and the Jackrabbits have that. And I think, as you mentioned in the earlier in the show, their offensive line play, I think, is a little bit superior. So I think they'll be more of a running threat than Villanova will be. Give me the Jackrabbits to win on the road, get the upset, 28-21. to 21. I agree with the pick. Villanova has had the easiest path to be here. The Wildcats' offense has been strangely ineffective. Holy Cross has a good Patriot League defense, but Nova should have handled them. They should have looked a lot better against the Crusaders. Quarterback Daniel Smith and running back Justin Covington must get that group back on track because the Jackrabbits are going to score. South Dakota State looked like they abandoned the running game a little bit last week, and it almost cost them big time in that second half against Sacramento State. I don't believe they will ever make that mistake again. Jack's QB, Chris Oladokun, will be effective throwing the ball once Pierre Strong Jr. and Isaiah Davis get the running game going. This will be a glorious day for the 605 Hogs up front for the Jackrabbits. Take South Dakota State to advance over the number five seed Villanova Wildcats 28-21. That brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. I'd like to thank Mr. Casey Keeler, head coach of the Sam Houston Bearcats, and Mr. Zach Willis from Bison Report for being our guest this week. Also like to thank Mr. Michael Lewis, Jay Sandos, and everyone at East Tennessee State University for how they treated me last week. First class all the way. Really appreciate it. Was very impressed with everything y'all did one week ago there in Johnson City. FCS Nation is co-hosted by Mr. Chris Callum, produced by Mr. Justin Swallows. The marketing director for FCS Nation is Miss Stacy Marshall. I'd like to thank the program directors and the board operators all up and down our network for pushing the buttons and getting this show to you every week. Couldn't do it without y'all. We appreciate you. On behalf of all those good people, I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall thanking you for making FCS Nation a small part of your football week. like to invite you all right back here next week for another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network where we'll have our final four teams. And then after next week, we'll know who's going to play for all the marbles down there in Frisco, Texas on the 8th of January. And like I always do, y'all, I'd like to remind you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules, the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody.